Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Web3 Business Podcast, helping you navigate the future of business. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Web3 Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Matt Medved, founder of NFT Now, and we're going to explore media and Web3, and I think you're going to find it really, really fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over this week's interview with Matt Medved. Helping you to simplify your Web3 journey, here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Matt Medved. If you don't know who Matt is, he is the co-founder of NFT Now, a Web3 media company. Their NFT is called The Now Pass, which I am a holder of. And Matt is also the host of the NFT Now podcast. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Excited for this conversation. Super excited to have you today. Matt and I are going to explore media and how Web3 will transform content. And before we get into that, Matt, I want to hear your backstory. Start wherever you want to start. How'd you get into media? And then ultimately, how'd you get into NFTs? Oh, man, what a story, right? Come from, you know, 15 years in, in music and media prior to the Web3 space. And so I actually have a whole past life working in nonprofits and NGOs as well. I was actually finishing up the graduate programs related to that. And in 2013, I was living in Milan doing an exchange at Bocconi, and I stumbled across this thing called Bitcoin on, uh, on Reddit. And that, that kind of uh, ended up being a lot of like career foreshadowing for me. I remember buying the exact top of that market, like I was the top signal. And it crashed like two weeks later, but I held on to it. How much was the top signal back then? Are you talking 20,000 or was it? Back no, $900. Oh my gosh, what a bargain. Yep. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I would kill to be the top signal again, right? I just thought it was a really interesting technology and believed in in the Bitcoin white paper. You know, the, the when I when I look back on it, it was all kind of foreshadowing for what was to come. So after that, I actually had the opportunity to start writing for Billboard, and so uh, I was living in Berlin, and I was basically like leading all of like the dance electronic music coverage at Billboard, realized that this music was about to take over America, came back, got the degrees in the mail, ended up joining Billboard full time and founded Billboard Dance in 2015. You know, what was interesting was the next bull run kind of coincided with the peak years at Billboard Dance 2016, 2018, where I realized I was the only person at Billboard who A, owned crypto or like B, understood it at all. And so started really really being really interested in the intersection of music and blockchain 
and being friends with all the DJs, guys like Blau, RAC, um, et cetera, realized that there was something really exciting happening in that space. And um, so ended up you know, advising for one of Blau's projects, did a bunch of panels uh, South by Southwest with RAC, um, spoke at Consensus Ethereal. Like At that point, we were all just trying to figure out like how can this technology empower creators? And as it turns out, I think NFTs were kind of that missing puzzle piece. And so after that, that period, I actually took over Spin Magazine, ran Spin Magazine as editor-in-chief um, from 2018 to 2020, and uh, exited with the sale of that. And then was actually running content at Modern Luxury, the lifestyle publisher, when my good friend Blau pulled me down the NFT rabbit hole in 2020. And, and it was like every light bulb went off in my head. I was like, this is it. Finally, this is the technology I believed in for a very long time. Finally disrupting fields I'm actually passionate about because I'm not a finance guy at the end of the day. Art, music, culture. Uh, that's what I care about. And in a way that had the power to empower creators. And I was like, this is, this is all I care about now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what was interesting, man, was like, unlike 2013, when, you know, when I felt really passionate about something with Bitcoin and like, I had the Bitcoin white paper that I could send to everyone. I sent it to all my friends, all of that. Most of them didn't listen to me, you know. But when I was getting into NFTs, there wasn't really a source of truth. I was like looking for that source of truth. I was like, what, what, like where, where's like the independent, credible, like, like outlet, like covering this and all that and, and like being really authoritative. And I, what I saw was like a really fragmented landscape. A lot of platforms with megaphones promoting their own drops and a lot of like talking heads on uh, Twitter shilling their own bags. And I was like, where's the billboard of Web3? It wasn't called Web3 then. Where's the billboard of NFTs and all that? Where's the complex? Where's like the intersection of like authoritative news features coverage and also a finger on the pulse of the culture? Didn't see it. So that's why we started it. And so founded, uh, started the NFT Now accounts in January of 2021. They started taking off. We formally founded the company uh, shortly thereafter. And we, we all made the full-time jump, my, my co-founder Alejandro, in June. And the rest, the rest is history. It's been an amazing journey. The, the mission from day one has always been empower the creators of culture and bring this technology from niche to mainstream. It's never wavered. It's only evolved from there. As a fellow media guy, you know, I have a lot of respect for media people that, you know, leave traditional media and strike out on their own. I don't have that traditional media background. I just started from scratch and figured it out as I went along. When you started NFT Now in early 2021, that was kind of just the beginning of like the end almost, wasn't it? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but that, that was like 2021 was when there were some really big collections that launched, right? And then all of a sudden, by the end of 2021, things had changed a little bit. But I'm just curious, like from your perspective, as a publisher of content, like, was it easy to do it in early 2021? Because the wave was still going up and it wasn't going to be until later in 2021 that things started kind of teetering. Um, I'm just curious, was the marketplace receptive to you guys? Uh, because obviously, prior to this, you got a lot of ind independent YouTubers out there just kind of kind of creating content, right? Yeah. So when we started in January, 2021, it was actually really before the boom. Oh, was it? Okay. Because we, yeah. Yeah. Because people was in March of 2021. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. And then V friends and, and, and board ape and all that came out later. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So one of those things is really interesting. I always say in web three weeks are months and months are years. Right. And so even by virtue of being there for, you know, a few months before this went really parabolic, you know, with, with that people sale and the like, it was enough time to really 
get to know the community, build relationships with the top collectors, with the top artists, with like the top builders in the space. It's funny because like, I remember, you know, even at, like, you know, during, during the, the, the subsequent bull run, there were a lot of people who would be like, oh, NFT now, you guys are OGs. And I'd be like, well, like, <laughs> I've been in crypto for a while, but like NFT now hasn't necessarily. I had the exact same thing happen when I started Social Media Examiner just months into it as social media was popping in 09. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, I know you. You've been around forever. <laughs> right. And it's like, yes and no. It's like, you're not wrong because in this space, that is actually really significant. But, you know, it, it's funny, like that people remember who was there before the noise. And I think that's really important. And that was a big part of building our credibility. And the other thing too is like we really hit the ground running. Like March, March is when we sort of like really put it into high gear. We launched the NFT Now podcast in April of 2021. We and the and the, the newsletter. And then later that year, it was in September when we launched the website. And then we did the first gateway, uh, our first you know flagship event in at Miami Basel with Christie's that December. And that was pretty wild because that was you know a six month old startup partnering with a 275 year old auction house, you know? And so that I think was indicative of like just being ahead of the curve and like, and planting that flag and, and building there. And, and you are right. There's one thing that's really interesting is that like, that was another thing that like, there were a lot of individual creators out there covering NFTs and web three and the like, you know, I think we really set ourselves apart by, by being, you know, like a, a trustworthy, credible, but also like new and exciting brand that also had the finger on the pulse. You know, I think one of the biggest things with with NFT now is like we've always tried to be the signal and the noise. And during that bull market, there was a lot of noise. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I 100%. Think, yeah. yeah I, I think back on it, man, like we really held true to our, our ethics policy, to our moral code, et cetera. Like there were a lot of people trying to throw money at us, especially from very questionable projects. There was some PFP project that literally offered us 250K for one tweet, one tweet. And we said, no, it's crazy. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, and don't, like we, we turned down probably high seven figures in, in potential revenue during the bull run, but that would have come at the cost of our reputation. That would have come at the cost of our credibility. That would have come at the cost of our authenticity. And that is all priceless. Like, you know what I mean? You can't build that back once you, once you lose it. And so we, we felt also we had, to do, had a responsibility to do right by our community and our audience and make sure that like we were only putting projects in front of them that were legitimate and, and that we were making sure to be super transparent and, and ethical about everything because there were so many others out there who were just prioritizing short-term revenue over long-term trust. And most of them aren't around anymore. And some of them may even face legal action. You know, there's so many parallels between when I started Social Media Examiner almost 14 years ago. Back then, it was a lot of bloggers because back then blogging was the platform. So you had a lot of bloggers who had opinions, right? And they they weren't sharing all their wisdom. They were keeping it locked up so that people would have to pay them as consultants, you know, to get that great information. And I remember starting an independent media company where I had lots of voices, right? And nobody was doing that. And that's kind of what you're doing here, right? Which is you're trying to create a, you have created because of your background, a legitimate media company that can be trusted because there's so much misinformation, like you said, out there and so many multiple agendas. I can't even begin to tell you how many multi-million dollar offers I had when I started Social Media Examiner within the first year of people that just wanted to buy the business because nobody was doing what I was doing. And what I love about what you're doing is it just shows you that there is a, a need for media, for content, specifically in an emerging industry. We're going to get into this a lot more, but I, I do want to ask this question. From your perspective, 
now we're recording this in the summer of 2023. We can say that the industry has gone through uh, multiple stages of maturity, right? It's still early days, but obviously things have changed a lot since you started in 2021. Why are NFTs still important for business from a business perspective today. Obviously, this is the Web3 Business Show. So that includes creators, that includes entrepreneurs, that includes marketers. What's your thoughts on why maybe NFTs are still important for business? Yeah, absolutely. I think that NFTs are an absolute game changer for brands that are looking to establish a direct connection with their most loyal, most engaged and most hardcore fans and an audience and community segment. And that's, that's, incredible, that's an incredibly powerful thing. One thing we have, a, we have a saying at NFT now, and that is every company is a media company and every company is a loyalty company. And on the, on, in the field of loyalty, NFTs are an absolutely transformative technology. They allow you to bypass centralized platforms, the algorithms and the whims of, of, of giant social media behemoths. And they give you a way of directly reaching and sharing in the value that you create with your fans. And that's, that's something that, that, you know, we've seen it play out across so many different use cases, and, you know, from, from memberships to, you know, loyalty rewards programs and the like. And I think big brands are starting to realize, you know, there, it was one, one thing that was really interesting, like during the, first, during the bull run, a lot of brands were like looking at NFTs as like a short-term like revenue opportunity. I think what they've really realized is that, this is, this is a much more long-term loyalty and engagement opportunity and retention opportunity, which is, a, which is the key. And so, like, if you think about it, like, one thing that's really powerful is that, you know, Web3, NFTs, they, they create and enable digital ownership in a way that just was not possible before. That's so how I always make it, just, like, boil it down to, to the basics. Get beyond the, the, tech, the tech, all of that they create a level of digital ownership that just was not possible before. And that digital ownership is quite powerful because it can help realign and change incentives in a way that can really create a ton of value for businesses. So for example, it's, it, it unlocks a different level of connection with your consumers. Back in Web2, it was all about building audience, right? People built audience as a means to an end to monetize indirectly as a middleman for brands. That's the Web2 model, right? Whether that's, you know, the brand partnership model for, you know, individual creators, whether it's the programmatic ad model for media companies, et cetera. It was all about audience, right? But audience is really transactional and audience is really fleeting. And to be honest, like audience is built on really weak ties at the top of your funnel. Where Web3 finds its value is community where this technology enables and, and empowers is in a sense of community. And how do I differentiate the two? To me, audience is aware that you exist. They may actually like buy your product. They may actually like follow you in the feed. They may even attend your events, things like that. But ultimately it's a one-way street of exchange. Whereas in community, they, your community members, they wanna see you win because winning means winning together because they actually have a share. They have a stake in seeing you win. You know, whether that's owning an NFT, whether that's being a part of your ecosystem, et cetera. And in a powerful way, they can actually share in that value that's being created. So on that unlocks this different level of fandom. It unlocks this different level of consumer loyalty. It's the difference between being a passive follower and an engaged shareholder of sense. It's the difference between being an, like a supporter and an ambassador. And one thing that, that we've seen is that um, being able to... Uh, directly reach 
those those holders, being able to directly reward those holders, being able to verify authenticity directly on chain is incredibly powerful. And, and it's enabling this connection that previously wasn't possible before. And we're seeing it play out for big brands. We're seeing it play out for businesses. We're seeing it play out for individual creators across art, music, and different areas of culture. It's the beginning of what I think will be the next chapter of the internet, which will be about ownership, not simply like renting the, the, the land upon which your digital identity is built. Very awesome. Thinking about the kind of business that you're running, which is a media company and your background working at various media companies, what was your thought of your business model when you started NFT Now back in early 2021? And then how has it evolved? So from day one, we knew we wanted to do things differently when it comes to media. Coming from legacy media, I could see just like I'd seen firsthand just how broken the Web2 media model is. And, you know, I really do think that a lot of it goes back to the rise of programmatic advertisement. So, you know, one thing that you have to understand is that in, in Web2 digital media, like you are the product. Your eyeballs are being monetized. They're being sold to, you know, uh, at scale. And what I think the way that we got there was with the rise of social media platforms, we saw this like crazy rise in traffic to digital publishers that had never happened before. The floodgates opened and publishers became addicted to that traffic. They started optimizing for that traffic. They started fitting and tooling, retooling and, and changing their content strategies around that traffic. And an entire cottage industry of like ad tech was built around maximizing this. And what happened there? This, what happened was it led to a, a, like a prevalent lack of trust, right? Media companies found themselves locked in what I like to call this clickbait race to the bottom, where, you know, algorithms reward sensationalist headlines, you know, the quick trigger fingers, things like that. And the actual like quality of coverage declined. Also, as we've seen in, in recent studies, like public trust in media is at an all-time low. And this is, I think, a direct result of, of part of this as well. And, you know, the algorithms created these echo chambers. There's a whole litany of things that, that went wrong there. But also, I think one thing that's really significant is that in the race to, to pursue scale at all cost, you know, to fulfill this programmatic you know, advertising media model, we also lost the sense of what really matters. Like, we, there's no distinction made between audience quality and audience quantity, right? It was all about audience scale, not audience depth. And when everybody is reduced to one metric, which was traffic, you're painting with a, with a very broad brush and you end up basically creating content intended to juice and like maximize that number versus actually serve or understand who those people are. Finally, like invasions of privacy all over the place. And so look, like when we started NFT now, we were aware of all these things and we knew we wanted to try doing something different. And so from day one, we have never had programmatic ads on NFT now. From day one, we have never had pixels or cookies on NFT now. We do not track our users like that. We believe in privacy and consent as, as fundamental human rights. And what's been amazing is even still, you know, and, and we're an open book, like, you know, over the past two years, we've done 5.2 million, more than 5.2 million in top line revenue as a media company with no programmatic, which is pretty unheard of in the traditional, the traditional industry, especially one as young as ours. And so the, the model there, you know, when we started was largely, you know, largely driven by partnerships, you know, obviously content partnerships. You know, we said no for our first nine months, as I said, to everyone who tried to throw money our way. And the first ones that we said yes to 
we're Coinbase United Masters. Like that's the bar, that's the level that we set. We also have had really major tent poles and franchises and events that have driven sponsorship revenue, like the NFT 100, which is you know our flagship editorial franchise, recognizing 100 of the leading creators and community builders in the Web3 space. We do the we do the gala in the Rainbow Room in New York. We've done that uh, you know at the top of Rockefeller Center. We've done that two years running. The Gateway which I'm repping today. The Gateway is our flagship event. As I mentioned, we did it for the first year in Miami, Miami Basel. Uh, and then last year, we took it to another level. We did the Gateway of Web3 Metropolis. Uh, we took over two city blocks, 12 buildings over five days, turned the historic DuPont Bank building into a massive audiovisual gallery. And we had partners like, in addition to a lot of the, the, the who's who of the Web3 space, like G-Money's 9DCC, Artifact, Art Blocks, you know, all that, Adam Bomb Squad, et cetera. You know, we also had a bunch of legacy you know, brands come in too. We had Porsche, we had Instagram, we had FaZe Clan, we had Christie's, you know, MoonPay was our title sponsor. And so we were able, we've been able to, to really, you know, drive some really amazing partnerships in that way. And at the top of, you know, this year is, is, was where we also, you know, developed our first proper Web3 native revenue stream, where we, we launched the Now Pass. You know, the Now Pass is the access pass to the Now Network. And the Now Network is the foundation for all of our efforts to build the future of tokenized media and pioneer a community-centric media model, essentially pioneering the media model that we believe is the, the answer to this whole like broken Web2 media model that we've seen. With the Now Pass, we did, I believe it was 1.1 million in top line revenue sold out in, in less than 48 hours, you know, and, and we've been using all of that to build out the now network and super serve that community. So, you know, the business model has always been based on this fundamental mission of building a better media model. And that has evolved as the trajectory of the company has developed as well. So what I'm hearing you say is events have been a big part of your, uh, as they are a big part of Social Media Examiner as well. Our conference is coming up on 11 years. And then sponsored content, is that when you say partnerships or or is it like more like they're sponsoring the podcast? I'm, I'm curious how that works. Is it sponsored written content typically? It's a bit of both. You know, it's when we do our, our content partnerships, we always say like, our mantra there is like transformational, not transactional. We don't do one-offs. Like you can't just like pay for an article or buy a social post. Like it doesn't work that way. We hold a very like high bar and any partner that we want to work with, we attack it from all of our angles. That's one of the, the things that really sets us apart in the space is we are an omni-channel media company. There are a lot of, there are a lot of other media companies in Web3 that really just have like their bread and butter on one platform. We're across all of them and we always leverage that. So like good example is like, you know, we recently partnered with Lacoste and that was an amazing partnership. We had like an amazing feature that came out on editorial. We did a Twitter space on on social. You know, we ran stuff on, on Instagram, across Twitter, you know, threads as well. You know, and so it's like we can attack it from all angles. There have been other other times with partnerships where there's been a video angle, an original video and the like. Some of them may include a podcast side. But one thing that's important to note is that whenever there's anything sponsored, we always clearly mark it as such. Any article will always say sponsor at the top. Any social post will also say hashtag partner or have the, the in-paid partnership with. We really believe transparency and leading with integrity is the key to building the space. The NFT project that you launched this year, right? Or was it last year? I can't remember. Was it this year? It was in 2023, right? It, it was this year, although it feels like it feels like a year ago, right? right? Like Given your experience, right? You, you know, you're doing traditional things like events and sponsorship and NFTs. What's your viewpoint now that you've launched your own NFT? I'm just curious what your thoughts are as whether or not that is a more of a building community side of things or more of a 
uh, fundraising side of things. I'm just curious what your view is on that. It can look, it can be both. It can be, it can be both depending on what your, what your aims are for us. It was a bit of both, but you know, I I think that what was really driving it was super serving our community and, you know, kind of eating our own dog food. You know what I mean? Like putting into works, all these ideas that we've had around how do we leverage value as, you know, create and capture value in a new way and share in that value with our community as a media, as a media brand in web three. I think that one of the exciting things about it is it's putting ideas into action and it's, it's really doubling down on our, on our most hardcore, loyal, engaged community uh, members. You know, a lot of people said it was like, yo, like, why did you launch the now pass during a bear market? And we were like, because if we're going to super serve a community, if I'm going to show up every day and put my blood, sweat and tears into serving a community, it had better be the real ones. It had better be the ones who like believe in the, in the vision for the future, who are rocking with us, who are showing up in the depths of the bear. And we're not trying to super serve the like moon boy, like, you know, frothy speculator crew, right? Like, that's not what this is about. This is about doubling down on the people who really believe in what we're building. And so that's been amazing. And you know, that's why we also, we made the community 2750. That's the 2750 supply. We, we purposely made it uh, a more limited supply so that we could really super serve the community. We didn't want to dilute our efforts. We really wanted to be able to like, show up and and develop it at a scale where we could get to get to know everyone in the space where we could like really start to ensure that that our efforts are being impactful. And so it's been an amazing journey, honestly. It's been, you know, uh, an illuminative journey too and we're still only just getting started. I mean, one of the things that's really exciting is you know, we we never wanted the now pass to be just like a like a normal membership pass. And and for us, it's like we want to do something that hadn't been done before. And that's why like the artwork is fully generative, you know, interactive, has a ton of different like rarity traits and Easter eggs, which are all going to have significance, you know, in the path forward. Uh, There's a whole lore that's being built around it. And, you know, we're building out right now the now member portal, which, you know, is, is, is the kind of key uh, gateway entrance point to the to the now network, as we sort of like build out all of these tools and functionalities to really help our different community segments succeed in Web3. And one thing we recognize is that success in Web3 is not a one size fits all, right? Like, you know, it means different things to different people. And we've we've done a really good job of like surveying our community and and, and understanding like, okay, we have a lot of creators in our community. What, what, what does success look like to them? Maybe that's getting linked up with a major auction house. Maybe it's getting an opportunity on a platform. Maybe it's getting in our next up series. You know, oh, we have a lot of builders in the space, a lot of founders. What's what's that mean? Oh, maybe that's like getting opportunities to speak at like the gateway. Maybe that's getting connected with big brands in the space that we have in our network, right? Like one, one of the things we always say, we also have a lot of like representatives from big brands, the Web3 person at like each of these places, right? And for them, it's like, cool, how do I... How do I figure out how to connect the dots to create value for, you know, my employer or, or the company I founded and the like. So success means different things. But one of the things that we're, we've always been really clear on, and it's kind of a mantra for us with the, with the Now Network, is that we believe that media companies shouldn't serve you advertisements. They should serve you opportunities. And if you think about the incredible community of holders and of relationships that we have after spending two years building trust and credibility and showing up every day in the space, we have a lot to work with. And uh, there's a lot of really exciting stuff in the works, too. Very cool. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because I, I think my next question is in alignment with where you're going with this, which is the concept of tokenized media and tokenized content. Maybe that's what you're building, but maybe you can discuss what it is exactly and where you see it all going. 
Yeah. So I think there's two buckets to tokenized media. The first one is the actual tokenization of media. So that's like articles, podcasts, videos, images, etc., living on the blockchain. This is incredibly important. This is something that we've been talking about the, the, the importance of this for a long time. And it wasn't until kind of the rise of AI that I think it started to really click for people. Ever since those viral AI photos of Trump getting arrested went, you know, like fooled a ton of people. And after, you know, the, the AI photograph of the explosion at the Pentagon knocked, you know, I think 500 million off the S&P 500, people are finally taking this seriously. I was just out at Cannes for Cannes Lions and all the media execs are like, what are we going to do about AI disinformation? And I was like, guess what? Tokenized media fixes this because one, one of the things you, that we have there is verifiable authenticity. We have on-chain provenance to track each step in the, in the journey of a piece of content. Where did this come from? Where did this originate from? What, what's been that journey? Is it from a trusted source, et cetera? That's going to be incredibly important as we move forward. And we're building some really, some really interesting things in that space. So that's one level. Like tokenized media to me is going to be the next frontier for media and for storytelling. One thing we've always said is technology has always driven storytelling forward from the Gutenberg printing press, you know, which brought the written word, you know, to the masses, to, you know, the rise of the internet, and obviously media companies who embraced, you know, web at that time, they were the ones who, who survived and thrived. Then the rise of mobile with smartphones, you know, the ones that adapted to mobile more quickly, survived and thrived. Now, tokenized media is the next frontier, right? And then what's really exciting about this new frontier and this technology is not only is it going to change how, you know, stories are told and also consumed, but it has the potential to actually change a lot of the underlying relationships at play in really significant, meaningful ways. And that's where we get into the other bucket of tokenized media, which is the tokenization of communities throughout media. And that is where like the now network is like our our case study and our our sandbox and and you know all of our efforts going into building that future of tokenized media because what we really believe is everything i just spoke about with audience and community applying that to a media model where you empower your community to have a say in co-creating the content where they have a say in 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 you know what gets covered to you know to and can have an actual voice around the table where they actually have an incentive to share NFT Now content, uh, you know, read NFT, consume NFT Now content, contribute to NFT Now. One of the things that we saw with all of the issues that I spoke to about Web2 Media is that consumers largely became loyal to the headline, not the brand. Media companies became homogenous and honestly, like interchangeable because they are all chasing the same algorithms with the same, you know, like for the same rewards, the same traffic rewards, and they're all playing the same game. Ultimately, it's like nothing really distinguished it. And no one really had a stake in, or a loyalty in being like, I, I, that's the one I gravitate towards with few exceptions. And so what's amazing is with the Now Network, we actually can directly reward our community for sharing in the value that's being created. So, you know, you'll be able to earn XP points, internal XP points in the Now Network in exchange for, you know, contributing to our content series, to voting in, in our, in, you know, some of those, like, for example, we're going to be transitioning next up, which is our rising artist franchise into a TCR, a token curated registry with on-chain voting, where now pass holders can be able to submit like our artists that they think should be recognized and actually do like voting there. And, and they'll actually be rewarded for doing so. So we've suddenly realigned incentives where 
they actually have a, a real incentive to contribute and to and to put their energy in. You know, same for for sharing, for for consuming, for contributing to NFT now. And then those XP points will be able to be exchanged for rewards based on all of our relationships and all of our partnerships in the space. We're really thinking about this from like a loyalty rewards program perspective. Thinking about like look at like what what Amex has done. Look at what Chase Sapphire has done. Look at Delta Sky Miles, where like just be, like being a part of that opens up all these other doors based on the relationships and based on the partnerships that that someone can create in in that in in that role. And we are uniquely situated in Web three to really create a ton of value for our for our holders. And so one thing we've always really stressed is that the now network will be built over time, not overnight. Right? It's going to be. It's gonna. We're gonna take the time to build it right. That's always been our mo. And I feel really fortunate that we have a great community of holders who are rocking with us. Who are you know giving us the time to cook, as they say, and we have some really exciting things in the works. This is really fascinating because I'm part of the Moonbirds community, and I have seven Moonbirds, and they they developed a DAO that basically decides every couple of months whether people in the community, whether their projects should be funded or not. And the way that they do it is they have like five or six of them. They have a voting period. You can go in and depending on how many Moonbirds you have, you have X number of votes that you can apply for or against a particular project. And then the ones that get overwhelming majority approval obviously get up for, I don't know exactly how it works, but presumably they still have to go through probably some sort of assurance check, but those are the ones that get funded. And it's kind of fascinating to think in your model, it, it sounds like, you know, if you are part of the NFT community, I'm just trying to throw these out there for people to ideate how they could do something like this. You would get some sort of, in this case, it's points, not a vote, right? But are you using the 2,750 NFTs to somehow um, make decisions on who should be part of this up next thing or like help people wrap their head around like how this could actually work, you know? Yeah, so we're employing something that's called progressive decentralization. One of the things that's important is like ultimately, NFT now needs to have, we have certain standards of editorial integrity, you know, the newsroom, ethics policy, et cetera. Obviously, we're not going to completely decentralize our entire editorial operations and put that at the whim of like, you know, holders, you know, yeah. right, popular vote, et cetera. But what we are doing is uh, progressively decentralizing different series. And so next up is our first one. And so that one, I'll give you as a case study example. You know, we actually did something at the end of 2021. We did something that very few media companies do in Web2, which is we asked our community like, hey, like, what could we be doing better? What could we be doing differently? And resoundingly, the, what we heard was, you guys do a great job of supporting artists, but it feels like it's largely established artists. How do rising artists get love too? How do they get on NFT now? And we were like, we hear you loud and clear. So we launched Next Up. And Next Up has been amazing. Like if you go to the first one on January, it was in uh, January, 2022, it's like 22 ones to watch and it's become a, a monthly series. Now it's a weekly series where we spotlight an artist. It, if you look at the initial list, it's crazy. It's like, you, it's like Drift, Diana Sinclair, Alpha Centauri Kid, like all these artists that you're like, those aren't rising artists, but they were back then, right? There's like no misses. And so it's been an incredibly important platform to help uh, support artists, but ultimately, I think one thing that's really important is like to understand is we didn't get into Web3 to become the new gatekeepers. That's not what this is about, right? Like what excites me about Web3 is the opportunity to bypass, you know, these centralized platforms and these like established hierarchies and gatekeepers that have long dictated industries from the galleries and major auction houses in, in art to the major labels in music, et cetera. To the New York Times bestseller list, hey, for example. There right? you go. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Publishing is a whole nother side, you know? And so for us, like, 
right now, even though I think we've done a lot of good with Next Up, I recognize that the process is still very centralized, right? It's myself and our editors and writers coming together, sharing like a list of artists that we think are doing great things in the space, ultimately deciding who to support and then doing it. And it should be more open. It should be more decentralized. It should be empowering the community to have a say in that. And so that's the first one we're going to do it with. There's definitely ideas to bring that to other areas as well. But um, Next Up's going to be the first one. And I think it's going to be really special too, because one thing that's been really we're critical with, with NFT now is like our, our mission, as I said, has always been empower the creators of culture, right? Uplifting artistry is like so central to who we are. And so being able to share in that with, with our community, being able to, to empower them to have a say in that, I think is really exciting. We also like went, by the way, when we did the, the we did the NFT 100, we launched it the, like the next month after, after the launch of the NowPass. And we allowed NowPass holders to submit nominations. In fact, it was only NowPass holders. You know, last year, the nominations were open to the public. This year, it was just NowPass holders. That was another way of like really empowering our community to have a say. Ultimately, you know, the, the decision for the NFT 100 still let, rested with our editorial team and all that because we have certain standards we have to uphold. But I can tell you that those nominations definitely made a difference. And, you know, every single nomination got a look, you know, like we, we, we looked and saw every single one. It's just a, it's an amazing way to really empower our community to, to be able to step up and have a say. It's not like we're planning to transition NFT now into a DAO, but through progressive decentralization, we can really start to empower our community to have a say and also align incentives for them to participate in areas that like just weren't really possible in the previous paradigm, right? Like if you go and look at like most Web2 media companies, their social feeds, everything they do is like a very one-way street from them to your eyeballs because ultimately what they're really trying to do is juice the most page views out of you. They're trying to get you to click on the most things. And I know this because I've been in Web2 media, like I've seen it. I know the conversations that are happening behind the scenes. I know the KPIs and the OKRs and the metrics that are driving that. And that's the thing too, is one thing we recognize is that this change for tokenized media is not going to come from within. It's not going to come in from within the legacy media industry. The legacy media industry is just trying to stay afloat right now amid like declining traffics around the, the rise of AI, along all of these. It's going to have to be tech from the outside. It's going to have to be. We're going to be that solution. We're going to we're, we're pioneering that for, for them. And what we really want to do is want to make it really clear when I say like Web2 media is broken, I don't mean that Web2 publishers or media companies are like, the enemy or anything like that, we need those publishers to understand that there's a better way and that they can then choose to embrace a better media model that I feel actually encourages and incentivizes more the deeper relationships that we actually want to see at society at large. I actually feel that the Web2 media model has led to a sort of desensitization, alienation, these echo chambers, this very like PVP mentality the zero-sum game around the attention economy and the like. And I think we have an opportunity to get out of this, like these perverse like incentive loops and do something different. I'm really excited about where this technology is going. You know, one thing to also say is like, I would be lying if I told you, Michael, that we had it all figured out. You know what I mean? Like no, any, anybody who's tackling a really big issue or a real problem and says that they do, like watch out. Because the thing is in this space, things move really quickly. Technology adapts and evolves quickly. Something could get developed overnight that may change how we're thinking about tackling tokenized media. And we embrace that. You have to be flexible. You have to be nimble. You have to be able to adapt to changes. That's why, like, for example, with the rise of AI, we adapted AI into our workflow. 
into our editorial workflow. Yeah, tell me more about that because I'm very curious about that. We were one of the first media companies to do it. And I think we were the only, if not or one of the only, to be super transparent about it. You know, like there are a lot of media companies who are doing being a little shady behind the scenes, like all that. You know, a lot of them have been called out before. We were super straight up and transparent with our community. We said, hey, this is our first AI powered news article. This is our first AI powered editorial, like the first AI powered listicle. How are you using it? I would, I'm very curious because obviously our company has embraced chat GPT for mostly to help us summarize transcripts and stuff like that, or to write, you know, emails, but I'm curious about how you're using it. Yeah. I trained a model that can take a press release into an original article that is in no way plagiarized and does justice to it, you know, like in a matter of seconds that took time to train. And of course it still takes a human eye and editor to go over and make sure that it fits the right format, that there's nothing that got introduced. That's, that's not correct, et cetera, but it can decrease the time that it takes to get an article like that from assignment to publication very significantly. We've been able to do it in like less than 15 minutes, start to finish. Wow. So how does that, let's take like a Zuki, right? Like, did you guys use it during some of the news going on with the Zuki, like elementals and all that stuff or, or any other example, like, like, does it allow you to kind of get a leg up on some of the alternative media companies that are also covering this? Cause you're first to market. I think it does to a degree. I also think that for a lot of the things that are happening in real time, like things that are playing out in real time, where like, there's not a lot of necessarily like source materials that already exist or, or an authoritative one. You don't necessarily use it like as much or lean on as much for, for those. I think where it really helps is where it's like you either have like some really authoritative source material or it's like you have a lot of different sources that you can you can draw from. You know, for us, it's like what, what I think about is like live breaking news coverage, things like that. I, I still think we like that needs to be led and, and driven by a human. You know, what we always say is this. The way that we think about leveraging AI into our editorial workflow is we can automate the more rote and routine things that are time consuming that we just have to do sometimes to enable humans to focus on the things that only humans can do. So, for example, like nobody in journalism is going to tell you they like writing a news article based on a press release. Anybody who's telling you that is, you know, just putting a brave face on it. No one likes doing that. It's tedious. It's whatever. It's, you know, boom to boom. But sometimes it's sometimes it needs to be done. We automate that take that down to 15 minutes. Now that human has more time to write a feature, write an analysis, be on top of a breaking news story, do original reporting, all those things. And that's actually why our staff has really embraced the AI and editorial, because we made it really clear that this is not about replacing humans. It's about replacing the things that humans don't want to do. It's about improving them really, right? Is what I'm exactly. hearing you say. We, we, we call it augmented intelligence. There you go. So. That is so cool. Matt, Thank you, first of all, for sharing your vision and all your insights. There's going to be people listening right now that are interested in discovering where to find out more about your company, NFT Now, and also possibly connecting with you on the social. So where do you want to send everybody if they want to learn more? So you can go straight to our website, nftnow.com. That's the source of the source of truth right there for, for NFT Now. You can also follow NFT Now at NFT Now on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram threads, you know, all of the above. And if you're interested in learning more about the NowPass and the Now Network, you can go to nowpass.xyz. And the Twitter account is at the NowPass there. At the, at the NowPass, is that correct? Yeah, the handle is the NowPass. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, like, so you get a little at sign. So that's, you know, that, that's super exciting. Obviously, if you're interested in joining the community, you can pick up a, a NowPass on OpenSea or wherever you go in the marketplace side. Just be sure that you're, you're going to the correct one. It's, a ver it's verified on, on OpenSea. And, you know, if you go to the, the NowPass Twitter, which is also verified with the little NFT Now affiliate side badge, you can see 
see all the official links there. And then for myself, you can find me on most of the Web2 platforms at, at Matt Medved. And for most of the Web3 ones, I was able to get at Medved. So, you know, yeah, would be happy to connect and, would, you know, would really encourage people, you know, if you're if you're interested, pop on by the NFT Now page. You can pop into our Discord. You'll see it's linked in the Twitter bio, you know, discord.gg slash NFT Now. You can also sign up for our newsletter, nftnow.com slash newsletter, you know, free weekly. We distill everything happening in the space into actionable insights. The best way to like keep on top of what we're doing. So there's there's no shortage of ways to connect. Yeah. I look forward to to connecting with anyone who found this interesting and inspiring because, you know, to us, it's just really clear, like the future of media is tokenized. Matt Medved, co-founder of NFT Now. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was a great conversation. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash W85. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. And would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram, at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Web3 Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll see you next time. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The Web3 Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. The information provided in the Web3 Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.